You're watching KCMI-TV. Well, I'm glad you joined me today. And uh, I want to talk to you about something that uh, is close to my heart. And this really just comes from um, just the accumulative years of serving the Lord. And I know that all of us, you know, we're always searching for a way to, to get closer to God. And especially uh, for our prayer time to be more effective. And um, I want to talk to you today about preparing a place for Jesus. And God is very intentional. And he's, he's also, he's very mindful of you and I. Uh, how we fare our lives, uh, very important to him. And so you, when you go all the way back to the book of Genesis and you're in the middle of the creation story, and the Bible says, you know, that God created Adam and then it says, and a lot of people realize this, it says, and then he created a garden and he placed Adam in it. And so uh, he didn't make the garden first and then create man. He created man. But then he thought, you know, I want there to be a special place for he and I to be able to be together. So the Bible says he went and he prepared a place. He created a garden. It was a special place that he and Adam could exist together and they could have a, a dimension of fellowship. And so uh, God, when it comes to you and I, he doesn't treat us haphazardly. It's not off of the cuff. It's not a last-minute uh, thing that God does. But he, he plans. He's very intentional about us. And you know, that's why the Bible says that the steps of a good man or a righteous man, they are ordered by God or they're set in place by God. And, and when God created you and I, he lays out our life so that it will operate in an optimum level. So, you know, I, I was thinking about Jesus and uh, it just, it, boy, it touches my heart thinking about how much uh, men despise the Lord, how much rejection Jesus has, has endured. And, you know, he said this, he said, if they hate you, he says, because they hated me first. And when Isaiah is talking about Jesus, he says he was despised. And so when you, when you go back uh, to where God was manifested in flesh through the form of Jesus, and he, uh, he's in the womb of Mary, it, it starts all the way there. Uh, the scripture says that when Mary is getting ready to give birth, uh, we find Jesus being born basically in a barn because the Bible says there was no room in the end. There wasn't any preparation. You know, Mary came and said, I'm getting ready to have a baby, and it didn't matter to them. Uh, now, they didn't know that she was getting ready to birth God Almighty in the flesh. But even his birth starts out that there was no preparation for him. There was no room for him. And in his ministry, Jesus, you know, one day people came to him and they said, you know, where do you live? 
And he said, the foxes have holes and the birds have nests, but he said, I don't have any place. He said, I, I don't have any place to lay my head. And when it comes to Jesus' ministry, there was, no, there was nothing prepared for him. There was no room for him. Um, the, the, the religious order of that day rejected Jesus. They wouldn't have anything to do with him. And here you have this magnificent temple and you have uh, the sacrificial system that was instituted uh, through Moses in effect and thousands of Jews coming to Jerusalem to, to worship God. And yet the true Lamb of God, there was no room for him. And uh, most historians, theologians all agree on this that uh, Jesus never ever went into the temple. Now you'll read scriptures where it talks about and he went into the temple and cleansed it, but it's talking about the outer court, not not the not the actual temple, the holy place or the holiest of holies. And you think about this: here you have the holiest of holies inside this temple, and you have these golden cherubims on both ends of the Ark of the Covenant, which is a type really of Jesus Christ, the divine presence of the Lord. And you have the true presence of God, the Lamb of God in the outer court, but there wasn't any room for him in the room that actually represented him. And oh my, this, this is so indicative of so many churches today. We want his name on our house. We want the cross on the door. We want the Bible laying open on our pulpits, and we want psalm books that sing about him. <clears throat> but when it comes to his presence actually being in the building, there's no room for that. We, we've orchestrated God <clears throat> outside of the building, and um, Jesus, his entire life was like that. His brothers made no room for him. Think about this. The, the, the boys that he grew up with in his own house, his own brothers, <clears throat> it says this, neither did his brethren believe in him. Pharisees didn't believe in him. The religious order didn't believe in him. The, the church building wouldn't make room for him. And even when he died, the Bible said, that he was buried <clears throat> in a borrowed tomb because there was no room for him. And so, you know, I would, in my natural <clears throat> propensity of how we as human beings think, when we are rejected by a group or we're rejected by an individual, a lot of times and we to protect our hearts and to protect ourselves from pain, then we will make sure that that group never gets to hurt us again. And we will, to some degree, we will withdraw ourselves from them. And yet Jesus didn't do that. Think about it. He, all of this rejection he went through and, and the very first thing he ever did with man was he prepared a place for him. And, you know, when Adam walked around the garden, it must have been an incredible experience to look at all that he had access to and all that God said is yours. And yet God prepared that for him because he wanted Adam to be happy. 
So now we have Jesus, and, uh, and you know, I was thinking, and I'm getting ready to hit a different thought, but um, we have Jesus after resurrection. And the Bible says that two men are on the road to Emmaus, and, and one of them is Cleophas, and they are just, uh, they're remorseful over what has happened to Jesus, and they don't know he's been raised from the dead. And... Jesus just appears alongside of them, begins to talk to them, and uh, there's just something about him. They don't they don't know it's Jesus, but man, their hearts are just something's happening to them. There's excitement in them, and when they got close to their house at evening time, dinner time, uh, the Bible says that he was just going to walk on by. You know, he didn't force himself. I think he was used to being rejected. Isaiah said he was despised and rejected. But the Bible said this, that those two guys, they laid hold on him. They constrained him. And they said, come into our house. We got a place for you. And when they constrained Jesus and they made a place for him, he went in and he sat with them, and that's when he began to reveal himself to them. Many Christians never find the full identity of who Christ is because they don't make place for him. The only way you will ever have a really powerful prayer life that's consistent is it has to be intentional. You have to make a place for prayer. You have to make a place in your life for fellowship. And, <clears throat> you, you know, depending on your schedule, uh, for years uh, I prayed at night. And, of course, I had it, you know, I worked. And, and so, you know, if when you're getting up at 5 o'clock in the morning or 4 in the morning, my first job I got up at 3.30 in the morning. Had to be at work at four. It's difficult to get up in the morning and pray at that hour. So when I would come home in the evenings about six o'clock, I would always go and find a place. I had a place that I would pray because I didn't want to miss that time. And I really believe that the anointing that God has given me in my ministry over the years is because I made a place for Christ in my life. Many of you are powerful in the Lord because you have made a place for the Lord in your life. <clears throat> when uh, Jesus was getting ready to leave the earth, he looked at his disciples and he said, I'm going away. He said, but this is why I'm leaving. He said, I'm going ahead of you because where I am, there you're going to be also just kind of like the Garden of Eden. Remember that. Jesus prepared a place for Adam because he knew Adam was going to be where he was. So now in the New Testament, Jesus is repeating this conversation to his disciples. He said this. He said, I'm going away because where I am, you're going to be also. And this is what he said. This is why I'm leaving. I'm going to prepare a place for you. You know what that meant? God wasn't just going to let us show up and then run around, oh, I didn't expect you and I've got to clean up and <clears throat> I've got to do all of these things. He was saying that 
when you show up in my house, I will have made room for you. <laughs> that you're not going to get there and think, oh, he didn't expect me. It's, you know, it, it's disheartening at times when you thought that you had made an appointment with somebody and you get there and they go, oh, was that today? Or I didn't know you were coming or I didn't expect you. And to some degree, you know, it makes you feel less valuable and I wasn't important to them. Um, <clears throat> with Jesus, we are his number one priority. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So what is Jesus doing right now in heaven? He's working on our house. He is preparing a place for us. So I want to end it and bring it down to this. If Jesus is in heaven and he is preparing a place for us, but we are in the earth, and we know this at least three times in the New Testament, the Bible talks about us, it says that we are the temple or we're the house of God. This is where the Holy Spirit abides. This is where God lives, in us. If we want God to be in our lives, then you have to work on your life in such a way that it is preparation. You are preparing a place for the Lord. I have so many people here say, well, you know, I can't pray and God won't talk to me. Well, I'll tell you why. Because when he passes by, there's no, he, he realizes they're not preparing for me. They aren't expecting me. And he's a gentleman. Doesn't it say this in the scripture? God just doesn't barge in. He didn't kick the door down. He says, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. Why? Because he's a gentleman. He wants in there and he said, if any man, any man will open the door, he said, then I will come in to the place that you have prepared for me. And he said, just as you and I in eternity will fellowship together in a place that I have prepared for you. He said, I will come into your house because I realize that you've made room for me. And he said, you and I are going to sup together. We're going to commune together. We're going to have a time of goodness. As I end today, I want to bring your mind back to this. Whenever you build a place that is primarily for Christ, and I'll give you an example. When Moses built the tabernacle, it was for God. And the Bible said that when they finished that tabernacle and they dedicated it, that the glory of God, smoke filled the holiest of holies and from there on out God said I'm going to live here because these people value me they've prepared a place for me when Solomon built his temple and when he dedicated it to the Lord the scripture says that the glory of God filled the house to such a degree that the priest couldn't even begin to minister because of the glory of the Lord if you will build a place for the Lord you know why God picked David? You know, Solomon, 
Solomon orchestrated the building of the temple, but his daddy, David, was the one that had the blueprints. And he's the one that got together all the building material. He gave all that to Solomon. Solomon just oversaw it. Why would God pick David? Because worship builds a place. It builds a sanctuary in the atmosphere where God has to come. So I want to encourage you, don't treat God just as a visitor. Don't come to God only when you have crisis. But be deliberate in your life. Build a place. Build it where it says, Jesus, I've got a place. Would you come? And he says, yes, I will. Because he loves to live with his people. Well, God bless you. I pray that this touched your heart today. Uh, come join me uh, Sunday, 3 o'clock, regenerationnashville.org. We're going to have a great time. Till then, I'll see you next week. God bless you. For more information about Kent Christmas Ministries International or Regeneration Nashville, go to kentchristmas.org or regenerationnashville.org. And for the latest updates or videos, follow us on Facebook and subscribe to us on YouTube. God bless you.